0: Before we jump into today's show, I wanted to talk to you guys about taking care of your teeth. As it turns out, it's pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. And Cole gets another good righty and another right-by-cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen! He shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Cole J T Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landescock! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! CB by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast, a Friday episode we got a bunch of questions from you guys once again, and we will do our best to answer them as best we can. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Haefeli. AJ, another week in the books as we continue to inch closer to preseason.
1: Are you getting excited yet? Uh, I am, actually. When they released the roster yesterday, everything sort of started to take shape and feel real and uh, kick into overdrive, I think, is a is a good way to, to describe it. I was... I was feeling excited, like, all right, hockey's almost here, it's almost here, and then the roster yesterday and we started talking about it, and then we're talking about like m- how are they gonna parse minutes and you know, a Byram Timmins pairing, and I was like, Okay, I'm I am now ready. Still let a us, lot let's do this.
0: Yeah, right. Still a lot of speculation going on, but having at least a roster gives yeah. you something solid to look at, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, and I totally plan on heading down to a family sports center just to see if any of them have started messing around yet, because this is about the time of year when a couple of guys start to show up and um, do some skating at least. Yeah, and it's, you know, and just to at least get down there and if nothing else, get the body conditioned to being in that ultra cold building again. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's always uh, an adventure when you forget the hoodie down there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I got I uh, grabbed a new one over the over the summer to, uh, uh so I have multiple uh, multiple hoodies this year to to stay nice Came and prepared. Warm. Nice.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we can jump into some of the questions we received here. First off, not necessarily hockey related. Andy asks, "What is kale anyway?" and I can tell you that I don't like it at all. Kale is my one of my least favorite
1: vegetables. Oh, it's, dude, it's nasty. Right? Like it, nasty.
0: It it doesn't matter like what you put it in whether it's on a sandwich or in a smoothie or even in like a salad with other vegetables. I
1: will eat around the kale. It's it's notable that I believe if you google kale, one of like the top suggested results is how to eat kale. <laughs> Like people make it a specific way. Well, because people like people are like, okay, I know this is good for you, but it's friggin' disgusting. How do I (laughs) how do I do this? How do I consume this without hating it? That's all you need to know about it. Right. I I think that's perfectly fair. It's someone should set up a a
0: bet where they have to eat a certain amount of kale for every goal Makar scores.
1: I don't uh, I don't know if it actually happened or not but I know the Pepsi Center talked about banning kale over the summer.
0: Yeah, I heard about that. I think they actually did for the playoffs at least.
1: Did they actually do it? Do it? Oh, that's too good. <laughs> I thought that was dope. I think fans should bring their heads of kale. But I mean, and why not? I mean, you got some like you got you got dudes like strapping catfish in, yeah, in right. under their shirts like in Nashville. <laughs> You know, at least with kale, you're like, this is nowhere near as disgusting. There's no guts to kale. It's just some green leafy stuff. Right. And it doesn't it doesn't have any like particular like negative odor. Right. It's just like it's just like, okay, it's just kale. The worst thing that happens is a dude brings it and it flies around and some of it flies into your mouth, and now you've eaten kale. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
0: I guess. That's a fair question. Which tastes worse, raw catfish or
1: kale? Uh, Yeah, I mean, what cyanide (laughs) tastes like. All right.
0: All right. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's disgusting,
0: man. I'd rather eat neither if that's the option. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like the, the point is, is can I have a grilled cheese instead? Like, there you go. Good Lord. Start
0: swinging grilled cheeses around instead. Okay. All right. Let's get into some hockey questions. One of the things that kind of quickly got swept under the rug this off season, just because the abs had so many RFAs to sign, is the fact that Jared Bednar got extended and at Can Avalanche asks, Does Bednar have what it takes to fill the role of coach expected to win? And how does he continue to develop himself as an Avalanche head coach?
1: Um, I mean we'll see. <laughs> Fair. Honestly, like when it comes to like head coach development, there's not a lot that we can really talk about there. That's true. It's Um, it's it's kind of a wait and see. And most of the stuff, and I say this all the time, but the vast majority of NHL coaching goes on behind closed doors. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you get to a game, you're done. Right. You know, at that point, the systems have been installed. It's just about managing matchups and uh, minutes and stuff like that. And for the most part, I really I've never had major, major, major issue with how Bednar goes about that process. There are things I disagree with, but it's almost always like fourth line deployment or fourth line lineup construction, and 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 I mean like you're talking about like as it, I've said that I'm excited about their fourth line this year, but I'm also going to say that it's still the fourth line. Like right? You're we always make too much of it as a talking point throughout the season. Certainly, and it's and it's one of those things that. When things don't go well, that's where you want to put the blame. You always just want to be like, it's your worst players. And the vast majority of the time, if you go through any kind of an extended losing streak, that's not the case. Like it's not right. the fourth line's fault that that happens, you know? So uh, as a, in terms of how Bednar communicates and I, I'm a fan of that. I know he's built a, he does a good job of building relationships with the, with his players uh, setting expectations and kind of letting the room, the the locker room police itself. He does uh, you know, at this point. He trusts his leadership group. Um, I think one of the really the the last things that I would really like to see, uh, just as some sort of a, a development, is his his in game management of momentum. Uh, yeah, and I, I I wonder, you know, timeouts uh, being tied to challenges and such how much that had an effect on his, his willingness to use one. Um, So I would like to see him. I would like to see him. Hey, we've given up, you know, like the Toronto game last year was a great example. They give up two power play goals in like 40 seconds or something. Uh, Call a timeout, man, settle your guys down, get them to chill out a little bit. Uh, And he doesn't. And they end up getting another goal and that game gets lost because of a bad four minute stretch. And he doesn't do anything during it. He just sits there. And I would say recognize that your team has that tendency. Understand that your team has a tendency to uh, to to ride that emotional roller coaster and let it cost them. You look at game that goes south quick. Exactly. You look at Game Seven against San Jose. uh, The the disallowed goal all that controversy they they ride that roller coaster the disappointment of having it taken away especially in a situation like that where you know that they're looking at they're looking at the replay on the iPads on the bench going are you freaking kidding me and you know 3 minutes later they give up kind of a kind of a goal that changes the whole complexion of that game you know ends up being the game winner and okay like you know, use the timeout, man, use the timeout. Even if it's, I mean, you have 30 seconds, you don't, you don't have to say anything inspirational. You can use a timeout and not say a damn word. Just use the timeout and just, okay, we're putting a stop to this right now. Yeah. It's- we're just, we're, we're putting, we're, we're physically putting something in the way of their momentum and saying, okay, if they're going to keep it up, they've got to go through this. You know, that that would be the one, my one real complaint is the, the, the hesitancy. You only get one timeout and the vast majority of games last year finished without the abs taking theirs.
0: I think that's a fairly common problem around the league. There are a lot yes. of coaches that they don't even view it as a timeout. They view it as a challenge flag, basically.
1: Yeah. And that's why I've always said, don't, don't tie uh, challenges to timeouts because in you know in football it's fine too because you have three of them you right. can use them you can still strategically use them, uh, but in in hockey you get one timeout you only get you know you only get one kick at that can per game, uh, don't have them tied to that and give coaches the ability to use timeouts for a, a purpose that they were intended to.
0: Yeah, it's I don't want to knock Bednar too much for the playoffs either because I do think. The playoffs this past season were some of the best work I've seen him do as far as making adjustments not only from game to game, but within games. I think he got a lot of the matchups he was looking for, particularly in the Calgary series with shutting down Gaudreau and and Matthew Kachuk. So I do think I've seen some progress from him significantly, obviously, since the first horrible year. and There's a lot of factors that go into that. But I haven't seen any indication that he's not – that he isn't improving still. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. I, I've liked his work in both postseasons. I thought he did a really good job. Uh, you know, they, we, we forget how close that Nashville Colorado series was. Right. Um, and they absolutely, they were insane. Mike, Mike Smith performances away from absolutely blowing out the flames in that series which is funny because it took them winning overtime in game 2 to even tie that series but once they did it was over after that. I mean the abs the abs games 3 through 5 absolutely just destroyed them and Bill Peters made no adjustments and Bednar just rolled and then the the push and pull between San Jose and Colorado was fascinating to watch for 7 games. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, Colorado had a talent disparity, and that thing couldn't couldn't have been closer.
0: Right. It the breaking down and building up of of that Sharks' defensive setup, whether it be their their trap ish one three one that worked, and then game two they able they were able to break through it, and then they moved away from it and moved back to it, and the Avs continued to adjust and find ways to beat that defensive setup.
1: Yeah, it was it was a good coaching uh, X's and O's, you know, kind of seesaw. Right. Um enjoyed that and I think I think Bedner has shown the chops to be an upper echelon NHL coach. Uh it's the the, the avoiding the big skid is the other thing. Uh true. You know, last year, just two months, just where'd they go? Right. You know, to have an inability to pull the team out of that. And that's, you know, it's hard to blame the coach for that solely because there's so many things that go into it, but we saw, you know, 48 point season snowballed on him for better or worse, all the mitigating circumstances in the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's on his record forever. And then last year there were like two months that, that were kind of lost as they just, they couldn't find any answers. And, you know, goaltending was easily the primary culprit of that. I said it on this show over and over and over and over that it was, it was like the vast majority of it was goaltending. Not that the team was flawless beyond that, but that goaltending was the main reason for that skid. And then the goaltending evened out and look, they won a bunch of games. So, and I say evened out, it was like exceptional beyond that. So um, it that that would be the other part of it is no extended losing streaks this season. Right,
0: I I mean every team has well, almost every team unless you're Tampa Bay or something has some kind of a skid during the season, but yeah
1: no it, no five game losing streak though
0: right. You're talking about a one and a half week two week skid at most.
1: yeah, exactly like no no going oh you know go, no going out on an Eastern conference road trip, five games. the only game that you win is in Toronto and then you go out and you get blown out by by Ottawa in Ottawa right and and you're and you don't even look good doing it yeah it's
0: you can't when you start
1: losing consistently to the
0: teams that you're supposed to beat that's when you're in real trouble
1: absolutely and i think the the ex, that's that would be the other thing no extended losing streaks and you know you're going to lose in the nhl like the worst teams in the nhl win 20 to 30 games a year like that's just reality like this is this is not basketball you know where the worst teams in the league are just there for everybody else to run over and they win 10 games or something you know it's it's hockey man it's it's going to happen you've got to deal with that reality that teams are going to be competitive on any given night you can lose a game to to a bad team but you can't make a habit of it and that was an issue that they had uh, a little bit last year I think it was overblown I went and actually ran the numbers And the Avs had something like a 700 winning percentage Against the bottom uh, Against the bottom Like eight teams in the end in, That finished in the bottom eight of the standings But it was that they lost Like two or three to the same teams Or in a row And they uh, were critical times of the season Right type thing. and like that's It was it was just it, they They were magnified in the situation so yeah. that's, you know, that's really where I would also like to see. And again, like, that's hard to put on a coach. It's like, is. oh, the coach has to not lose a bunch of games in a row. Like, that's, you know, the, there are 23 guys that they have on a roster that are going to go out there and play.
0: Right. It, they have to <laughs> work with what they have at a certain point as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I can tell you that... Losing to the bottom teams in the league is, is certainly something that makes me want to knock back a few beers. So it's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, including mine, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they also just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch Ale, but for those of you who don't know what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for that Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store, or look for any other Breckenridge beer as well, and make sure you also keep an eye on the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. You can see all of the events we have planned on there, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them, so please come out RSVP and have a good time. We'll be back in segment two with more of your questions. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ. Next question up here. AJ, I'm not sure you'll know the answer to this question, but I thought it was kind of amusing. Um, Amit asks, how does Landis Cog keep his hair so nice? And I can tell you, I have no idea. I'm not a person who messes with my hair. AJ, you basically don't even have any hair. Do you have any idea? He's a demon. (laughs) it just stays nice naturally it's just a swedish thing yeah
1: i mean i would say he's an angel but that's like weird and like (laughs) worshipy and i don't i don't want to give off that vibe so we'll we'll say he's not human fair he is he's he is a the creature type whose hair remains perfect in all situations it's one of their defining characteristics
0: must be nice Dude. how do you see that's not even a Swedish thing either because there's totally plenty of Swedish people that have the long like straggly hair that just kind of falls everywhere but he's just got the genes I guess that's
1: what I'm saying it's not a sweet thing it's a whatever race he is thing because he's not <laughs> of the human race it's just what happens where on the planet where he comes from <laughs> there's not enough gravity
0: here to control his hair yeah exactly it man it's there's just something wrong with it (laughs) all right well i mean if you manage to pick up an alien with a second overall pick you did pretty well in that draft
1: i guess yeah maybe i'll maybe i'll ask him hey fans (laughs) were asking us over the summer how you keep your hair perfect all the time do you have any advice for them and then he'll give me that that same look that he gave me last year when I asked about the Landeskog buttons, the Vote for Landy buttons for the All-Star game, (laughs) that he didn't know were real when I asked him. And so when he blew me off, he was like, nah. And then after we got done, I was like, so you haven't seen those buttons lying around? And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah, dude, those buttons are real. I I didn't ask you that to be, like, cute. Nice. I asked you that because those buttons exist and you're not wearing one. (laughs) I was like Miko Rantanen was in here five minutes ago with his vote for Landy button, like giving like a whole politician's stump speech for for why you he should uh, why everybody should vote for you, and he was like, "Did that really happen?" And everybody was like, "Yes." Well,
0: they, maybe he is an alien. He doesn't it's, understand how the world politic game works. This Is what I'm saying, man. He's not human. <laughs> All right. Well. Speaking of the draft, Michael asks, who were your favorite prospects, either Avalanche or otherwise, that you absolutely loved but never actually really broke into the NHL? We've talked about it with the Avs a little bit in the past, but there are some, some really good options for me. A couple for me, one Avalanche player, I always loved watching Colin Smith in the AHL the reality is he's probably not an NHL player, but he was a fun scoring player in the AHL for me. And then away from the abs in Calgary back in, was it 2013 or 2014, 2013, uh, Emil Poirier was someone I really enjoyed watching as well. He actually played with the same team that Malosh played for in the QMJHL for a little while. And he was another fun forward that, Played eight whole games in the NHL and now he's stuck in the AHL forever.
1: Uh, you know, one of my, I mean, I guess my abs one would be Stephen Elliott. Yeah, that's good answer. I, I mean, I, I loved his game. I, and that wrist shot was so lethal, and he could consistently get it through traffic. Yep, and I. I was like, "Oh my god, this this kid is going to be unbelievable." And oops, yeah, not quite. Um, other ones, boy,
0: it's tough to remember the guys that didn't make it,
1: huh? Yeah, there's some. Um, I'm literally like flipping through drafts right now, trying to figure out like. You know, Graw was a guy that I also really liked. Yeah, I liked him as well. Um, his his issues just never made sense to me. They were kind of weird problems, yeah, in, in the NHL because the problems that he had in the NHL just weren't really problems. Yeah, elsewhere it was, it was just weird, man. Um, boy. Other other guys that I really really liked that just didn't make it. Um, I mean, I guess I, I, he was an ABS guy, but only very briefly. But I was a really big Brandon Gormley fan as well.
0: Oh man, so was I. I totally forgot about him. Uh, I oh, here's a good one. On the
1: Billy Polka. Ooh, Villi Polka, second round pick uh, of the Islanders, and was involved uh in the Nick Letty deal. Was like the big piece in the Nick Letty deal. And supposed to be the young future, yeah. Yeah, just never I mean, never played a game for the Blackhawks and is out of North America entirely. I loved him. I thought he was going to be really, really just like rock solid. Like not an all-star or anything, but but solid. And yeah, he didn't I mean, same thing, really, with Brandon Gormley, where I thought Gormley was like the future of Yeah, NHL model defense. of an NHL D-man, yeah. for sure. Because he could, I mean, he was just such a good skater, and uh, he was a good defender that didn't have to be physical to be successful. And I thought that's where the NHL was going. And I was right about that and wrong about the player. Although I I really didn't think Gormley was awful when he right. was with the Abs. I agree. I thought he
0: was a fine like number six defenseman or yeah, something. I thought it but was
1: it was fine. Like he had puck skills, and that was where Duncan Siemens fell apart. Exactly. He was a little bit panicky, but with the puck at least.
0: Yeah. Um. But, I mean, his underlying metrics really were actually
1: fairly solid in his his time here. They, yeah, he honestly, man, he was, he was all right. But I mean, like you're talking, I mean, we're, we're, you know, another one, Mikhail Grigorenko, and I'm not meaning to just do a bunch of abs these, some of these guys just ended up as abs, but Grigorenko was a guy that I really, really liked.
0: I mean, we have had a type of, of reclamation projects for a long time in Colorado. So, well,
1: and that's, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, like like when we and I, I'm not meaning to go here again, um, but like when we talk about the Nachushkin thing, that's kind of the point is that Colorado has taken reclamation project after reclamation project after reclamation, reclamation project, and arguably the greatest successes that they've ever had were Patrick Nemeth and Matt Nieto two waiver claims. Yeah, and, and like guys who are like b- a bottom pairing defenseman and a fourth line player. Right, and not significant impact. Well, really. and like that's been the upside. The two guys who have worked out for them gave them that, and yep. they ended up being multi-year players for them. And that's you know, and it that's as good as it's gotten with these reclamation types. You know, they they had the Gormley, they had Marco Dano, they had Grigorenko. Uh, I mean, even they they even you remember. I hate to do this to Dario, who's who might listen to this episode, but. You remember when they signed Chuck Kobasu in free agency and the, the, the feeling was, well, Hey, he scored 20 goals that one time. Maybe he can do it again. And it was just, it's always that, you know, those reclamation yeah. guys, it's always that hope of, well, what if they either get to that one level that they got to that one time uh, when the rest of their career is the outlier or, you know, the, they have draft pedigree that you hang on to. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's the hole that the abs continue to fall into. And the only reason that I was as, as upset about the Nechushkin thing as I was, as, as I still am, I guess is was because this year they didn't need to do that other years in other years when they didn't have any kind of depth and they didn't have a legitimately better option sitting there, it would have been fine. It would have been like, okay, whatever. But we've seen, you know, as as we're going through this list of guys who didn't make it, it's all reclamation projects who just sort of fell apart. Right.
0: And the Avs roster, I think we both agree is, is in a place where it's better than it's been in a long time. And yeah, it doesn't feel like there's room for the guys like Nachushkin anymore.
1: Yeah. I will say another, uh, another prospect that I was a really big fan of in his draft here. Um, it's still, it's still a little early, but it's starting to get to that point where it looks like this guy may not make it. Uh, but Jansen Harkins back in 2015, a second round pick for the jets. Uh, I loved him in the WHL just as a really smart, really safe prospect, like a lower upside guy, but, uh, you know, had all the intangibles, all the leadership, the two way hard worker. Uh, skill level didn't wow you, but found a way, you know, and he's coming off his best season with the moose this last year, but it still doesn't, you know, I mean a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, your third pro year and you have a 30 point season in the HL, like you're, you're really, it's going to be tough at, for him at this point to, to make right. that big jump there. It's funny how the age those guys like, Oh, it's only a second year in the HL. And then by the end of the third year, you're kind of like, well, it's done. there's that sweet spot somewhere in between where, Hey, you still have time and then you run out of it. Yep. The clock's
0: always ticking and you only have time until you don't, I guess. Yeah. One more question here for this segment, kind of somewhat related as we were talking about defensive and like Brandon Gormley, the abs did acquire Callie Rosen Mm. over the off season. We've talked about the the rotating core of defensemen, but I wanted to focus on him a little bit. Luke, our guy from Winnipeg, asks, what kind of defenseman did we get in Rosen, and how does he fit on the Avalanche roster? Are there some expectations you
1: have for him in the coming year? Yeah, I've got big expectations. He's either going to be a top-flight AHL defenseman like he was last year, or he's going to be something for the apps. This, yep. this was a guy... Uh, who played all situations for the Marlies last year. Uh played huge minutes for them. Lefty that can play the right side. Uh power play, PK, everything. Did, did everything for the Marlies. Um this is the only reason that I I kind of pencil him in for the Eagles to start the year is just waiver eligibility. Sure. If they're truly looking for best player, I would not be surprised to see Callie Rosen perform better than Kevin Connaughton in, in preseason. Um, I think Rosen fits Colorado's identity perfectly. He's a really good skater uh, with good puck moving ability, but I think uh, gets a little too focused on the first pass and not uh, is not as aggressive skating the puck out as he could be given his ability. Yeah. Uh and that makes him a little turnover prone and he's a he's got good size but not great and he's not a really physical guy. Yeah. I mean,
0: I don't mind his strength actually if you get him in a corner battle. I think yeah. he he does just fine but he can he's handle not it. someone that's going to really go out and hit people
1: and it's not and it's not going to be he's not going to play like a physical game you know right. he's it's fine like he can he can handle that part of the game but it's not something he seeks to engage as a For regular sure. part of what he does uh I, I honestly i would prefer to have this guy around as as to get an extended look on the third pairing I agree. Um, He was part of that trade. He's on a two-year deal that's unbelievably good for for Colorado. Uh, And, hey, if he shows well, then maybe that's the guy you lose to Seattle.
0: Yeah, I I think the key factor that it's going to come down to for Rosen is the penalty kill. That's where the abs are going to kind of need a fourth body until Cole is back. Yeah. And he is someone that has penalty killed significantly in the AHL. Yep. Can he transfer that? We'll have to see. But someone like Kevin Connaughton has pretty ugly numbers, in, in the time he did do on the PK in Arizona, it's the other competition. Unless you want to go full Yolo and and throw Byram on the PK or something, it's it's a little bit dicey.
1: Yeah, his it it's a great point that where a job could be won in that defensive battle. Uh, you know, we talked about the forward battle the other day, and we'll I'm, we'll we'll talk defense next week. Yeah. Uh, but where a job is going to be won is going to be in part because of a guy's ability to to contribute on the penalty kill in the absence of Ian Cole.
0: Right, I I think that's and, the main
1: sticking point. Yep, and with with Rosen's experience with the Marlies, it, he's in the conversation. And I I you know I'm not going to get too high on him. I'm still expecting this is a third pairing defenseman. I'm not I'm not trying to talk myself right. into more than that. Yeah, but I mean, hey, this is a guy that put up prolific scoring numbers last year. You know, 46 points in 54 games in the AHL as a D is no joke. And he's only 25 years old. So, you know, he's right in the heart of his prime right now. You don't expect him to get significantly better, but he does, He may not have to. He may, he may already be better than several of Colorado's options. Uh, and I guess at very worst, he's a huge upgrade for the Eagles blue line i
0: significantly significantly better than what they were leaning on in seasons past it, whether you want to talk about worsofsky or or even a mark alt as your number one type mm-hmm. of defenseman down there
1: rosen is going to improve that i think that defense is going to be so much better this year yeah i agree i mean if between timmins and even if timmins is a short timer but between timmins and Malosh and rosen uh and and mcdonald i think that yep. They have, the, they have the opportunity to have a really, really good defense. It, it should be fun to watch.
0: I do want to take a second here just to say thank you to all of our listeners who have submitted questions over the past month or so. I think this is our third question show. So we do appreciate all of you guys being being part of this and, and going along with us here. Uh, but you know what's so great about our BSN family beyond that? That we now have multiple subscribers that have partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip top condition, go to houselift.com. They will show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right. you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and to check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to $60,000 more into their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. We'll be back in segment three with a couple of more questions. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan. He's AJ. We got more questions coming for you. I wanted to open up with one that's I'm not sure exactly where the line is on. Taylor asks, how much roster tinkering is too much? And do you think the Avs are starting to flirt with that line with this Nachushkin move?
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) I know it's a hard line to draw. I don't, I don't know,
1: man. Um, Yeah. I don't know. All right. It's I don't I don't think about that very much. That's fair. And- honestly, I think it's one of those things. Everybody everybody thinks that every head coach has like the the big blender, right? And like the oh, right these guys do this all the time. But it's actually crazy to think how little Bednar does it versus what Patrick Wall would do, mm-hmm. and like Wall would have a whole lineup set and then dismantle it a period in. And like switch everything up, right? Yeah. And then like a bedner will occasionally, if something really goes wrong or if something seriously isn't working. If a guy just isn't doesn't have anything going. Uh but um Honestly, I'm this isn't really a, I don't worry about it that much like no
0: right I I think you can argue that certain moves are on the whole not good but when the moves are made a team is making them because they're trying to get better yeah and making a move in an attempt to get better is always what you want to be doing
1: yeah, and I mean with Nichushkin, hey, he's not gonna he's not gonna score zero goals again. So for him personally, this year will most likely be better than last year was. Almost by default. If it's not, then yikes. Um with with Nichushkin. I think it was. I think the big thing with the Nichushkin signing was it was an, it was a a mindset organizationally. It was a mindset that was not in line with how they've approached their whole summer. Yeah. Very out of left field. Yeah. It's, it's very, they've done everything win now. They re signed Colin Wilson so that they can stabilize. Uh, get a known quantity in there and hey okay this is our bottom line we might have limited the upside there the, the the high end the ceiling we know where it is but we're not getting a 5 point player we know that we're getting a guy who'll give us 25 points or whatever you know and and they did a bunch of that you know with Burakovsky um with with Donskoy with Belmar they did all that's that was kind of the whole point was to stabilize everywhere and with Nuchushkin, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit their mentality. It fits it fits their mentality as a rebuilding team, not as a contending team. That's what I'm trying to say. It it seemed and, like they were stuck in, in last year's scenario. A little and bit. then and then like when it comes to like finding a spot for him on the lines and jumbling them and moving them around, man, I don't know. I <laughs> that's that's it'll be fascinating when training camp opens up where Nachushkin is, where he starts, because I think that'll give us insight into their expectations of him. And then obviously like where he finishes, where he ends up being, that will also be interesting to see, but I am curious where he starts. Yeah. Where
0: he starts will kind of set the tone. Obviously it's going to come down to how he plays, but if you're starting him not even in the lineup, he's got a longer way to go as compared to if you're starting him on the third line or something.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they, if they open up camp and it's Landis Gog, McKinnon, Nichushkin, boy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Anything's possible, I guess. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next question here. Zach asks who in this division or conference is the surprise threats and who is an expected threat that ends up not living up to expectations and he accepts hot takes.
1: In the conference. Yeah. I think my dark horses in the West are Anaheim and Chicago. To make the playoffs. Yeah. And I'll explain. Um, Anaheim, I just don't know what to make of them. They had so many injury issues last year that trying to figure out who they are this year is impossible. Yep. They and they they are switching over to so many young players uh that they're that they're switching over like <laughs> they're transitioning to would be a more eloquent way to put that. Uh they're transitioning into a lot more youth. And young players that I really like, so I'm. I guess I'm a little tilted towards them, uh, a little biased towards the young guys that they have. Uh, I still really, really like half of their defense. Between Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, and then they added Brendan Goulet in the uh, uh, in the Montour trade. I think that that's that's an intriguing start to a top four there. Certainly the top three. Uh, and then, you know, they've got they've got some interesting they've got some interesting young guys like they always do on defense. Uh a guy like Josh Mahura, I think it'll be interesting. And um you know, with John Gibson in net, one of the best goalies out there, you're always competitive. Right. You and, don't have to
0: get superstar level play in front of him to to sneak in
1: for sure and then when you have young forward players you know mac jones max jones sam Steele, and max comtois uh those those three guys if they make the jump into the nhl roster somewhere um uh andre kasha is back this year uh you know they've still got nick ritchie troy terry daniel sprong to go along with some of the mainstays in Getzlaff and Henrik and Silverberg and Raquel. So that I think it's an intriguing roster. I think it'll be a much more competitive roster this year than it was last year when it just sort of felt like everything went wrong. Yeah. Uh I would say on the downside there, I don't see a whole lot of high-end talent on the roster. And I have absolutely no idea what the second go round of a Dallas Eakins coaching tenure looks like. (laughs) Fair. So I definitely want to put out there that I am acknowledging that that is also a thing. Uh, And Chicago, you know, I may not have necessarily agreed with Chicago's approach to loading up on like okay ish mid 20s defensemen who are signed for several years, but. The combination of Seabrook, Keith, DeHaan, Mata, Murphy, and Gustafson, that's a significantly more stable defense than at any point that they've had in the last two years. Whether or not they can, Colleton can actually coach a, a, a cogent NHL defense, we'll see. He, he didn't do it last year. He hadn't proven it yet, but we'll, you know, we'll see. He's got more talent to work with, and they've got two goaltenders who could provide them with really high-end starting potential. It's certainly middle-of-the-road starting potential, since I don't think Leonard will repeat the, the year he had last year now that he's away from Trots and uh, and Mitch Korn. But that forward core, I think, will still be explosive, and you could also toss in Kirby Doc because I think he probably makes that team. Uh, and I think Adam Boakfest will push for that team as well uh, once they realize that Connor Murphy's a bum. So <laughs> it's... You know, it's it's an intriguing team. I actually really like what Chicago did this summer as a whole. Uh, I think Andrew Shaw helps them. The Zach Smith uh, Anisimov thing was all about money, so I don't, I'm not worried about that. Uh, Ryan Carpenter for three years was a little odd, but you know, everybody kind of does those things. And and how Dylan Strom continues forward, yeah, yeah, how he does will be a big will play a big role in their success if. If it's a continuation of last year, they're dangerous. And I definitely take them seriously as a playoff contender. If Dylan Strom is the guy he was in Arizona again, and uh, he's not the found money he was last year for Chicago, then I definitely am far less concerned about the Blackhawks because they need their forwards to carry them because the rest of their roster is is lagging just a little bit. But this is also a team that's watched a lot of things fall out of the sky and go right for them uh, a bunch of times in the last 10 years. So having it happen again, wouldn't shock me.
0: Yeah. It, they seem to have a knack for, for finding a way to make it work. Don't they?
1: And my uh, low key team to watch them as the postseason is I'm, um, I'm doing it again. I'm going to go with St. Louis.
0: I think that's perfectly fair as well. It's you're betting the house on Jordan Bennington, basically.
1: I'm betting the house against him.
0: And right, and right. If Bennington doesn't hold it down for them in net, they weren't a playoff team last year.
1: Why would they be this year? Yeah, I mean, unless Jake Allen all of a sudden randomly (laughs) turns into Jordan Bennington. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, what about you? what What have you got on? uh... I agree with the
0: Blues side of things. The West or the Pacific is just so crazy all the time that just about anyone there could sneak in. I don't know if I would call it an underdog really, but I'm expecting Arizona to get into the playoffs this year. They were close enough last year and and they had a a very weird year of, it was a very team effort and no one really broke out and, and led the team in scoring by a significant margin. But I think they still have a bunch of good pieces. Don't know if adding someone like Carl Soderberg is great for them long term, but in the short term, I think it'll help shore them up a little bit. If they can stay healthy in net, I think that will go a long way for them into getting into the playoffs. And just an interesting team to watch going forward. And one that in a couple of years is slated to move into the central division. So they got to get into the playoffs before they enter the hard division.
1: Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> before they <laughs> enter the hard division. <laughs> right. Yeah. Clock is ticking! <laughs> All right. Next question.
0: A couple more. We can be a little bit quicker with this one since we've talked about it a couple of times before. You've always expressed the dislike for the abs current goalie situation and then not running a legitimate third goalie, mm. but Colorado kid asks, what are the Avs options? If the goalie tandem doesn't work, which players would you be targeting in a move to acquire?
1: Uh, number one, I would look for Anthony Stellars. Okay. Okay. Uh, just because going back to Anaheim here, uh, he's kind of the third guy there behind Ryan Miller and John Gibson. And he signed he's yeah. 25 years old and he signed for two years at 750 K uh that's where I would start. He's a guy that has shown that he's okay. Like he's a third goaltender. He's alright. He's alright in the AHL if that's where you have him. Uh he can be okay in the NHL. Uh, you don't want to give him very many starts, obviously, because like this is not like a, a stud or anything. Uh, but that's I think he's like kind of like a, a perfect like number three type. And that's just a situation where they're going to send him down at some point. It's going to happen. Yeah. And so that means he'll be on waivers at some point, And depending on whenever that happens, that's when you pounce. That sounds
0: about right to me. Pretty much anyone in that third goalie type situation, I think is, is what you would be looking at. And all right. Final question comes from Avs Germany. Which Avs for outside of the top line will be the most game-changing next season? And I would say also, why is it Nazem Qadri? Because that's the correct answer.
1: (laughs) Outside the Avs top four? Top line. Top line. Well, okay. Well, yeah, it's Qadri. Very easy.
0: And while Kadri is going to be a game changer for the Avs, I'm excited to tell you about some game changing coffee. Stravercraft is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible. So be sure to check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That's going to do it for us on this Friday episode. I hope all of our listeners have a great weekend and we will be back on Monday as usual with another week of shows leading up to finally maybe a little bit of actual on ice action.
1: We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs.